I sit alone in my four-cornered room, staring at candles. Who got me? Oh, man. We on the radio, dude? Yeah. Oh, all right. Let's keep this here. It's the real. And I saw Rory and Nori taking pictures all weekend at the Roots Bay. We're definitely hot in the streets. I thought that when I saw the five pictures. <laughs> oh man, we are awesome out there. Rory's really feeling it. He must be feeling the love. Did they have a podcast stage? They did have a podcast stage, yeah. Wait, I smell Rory was on the stage at one point with wow. It's The Real. I was. Yeah. I wow. said, why is Rory with It's The Real? Uh, well, one of their guests, their guests fell through, so they asked me if I would do it. Yeah, I like It's yo. The Real, so I said, yeah. Yo, how many years being are y'all going to... nice did it. How many years are y'all going to fall for It's The Real's tricks? <laughs> <laughs> it's only been a, at least 11 years now. Listen, like, they man. keep getting us with the old tricks. Yeah. Uh, My guest canceled. Nigga... <laughs> <laughs> it's the Roots Picnic. <laughs> they keep getting us with the old tricks. I keep looking over my shoulder and peeping around corners. My mind is playing tricks on me. Oh, man, we are awesome out there. I <laughs> thought that when I saw the... Rory was on the stage with wow. It's The Real. Definitely hot in these streets. It's only been a, at least 11 years now. It's The Real. Definitely hot in these streets. It's, 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 it's The Real. My mind is playing tricks on me. Shouts to Rory. Shouts to Maul. Shouts to our friend, Joe Budden, who sure knows a trick when he sees one. <laughs> hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. So, a lot of people might not know this, but for the last six months, I was going through some some challenges. Okay. Um, and, you know, I put a thing up on my personal Instagram, and so if we could just talk about it really quickly, because mm-hmm. I feel like... It was. It really struck a nerve with a lot of people. Um, a lot of people seemed to find that they were also going through things, and mm-hmm. that it helped to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like maybe we could talk about it right now. Okay. Which is that about six months ago, um, I had this awful feeling. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't. I, we were sitting in the movie theater seeing Black Panther. Yep. And. I I just ran out of the aisle and um I I came back a few minutes later and I was totally fine and we did the episode for two Jews and two black dudes with uh the locks mm-hmm. and everything was fine. And I just want to be so clear about something. This had nothing to do with the fact that it was Black Panther. Oh my god. No, this is about being in a in the middle of a movie theater. Um that's where this was all from. It was it was about being trapped. Right. And then about two weeks later, um, I just couldn't shake the idea of that feeling returning. Mm -hmm. And so that feeling then lasted for five and a half months. Mm -hmm. Every single day, every moment, you know, during podcasts, during planes and, and all this all this time. And it was just an awful, awful feeling. Um, I, I saw doctors and I started seeing a, a a counselor and you know I did all the I, I did meditation and I ran and I was just doing everything I could to be very proactive in battling whatever this was and I'm not trying to make it sound like the most severe thing there are much more severe problems that I could have had and um, I also want to be clear this was not depression and I would classify it as like a, a generalized anxiety sort of situation. Mm-hmm. 
And I just want to say that that somehow after six months of work, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm finally getting out of it. Um, I finally feel like I'm in a place where at least the thoughts have stopped. Um, you know, again, like because the conversation being the way it is, you know, with with celebrities um, doing some self-harm, I do want to say that this is not that. This was a much more mild anxiety situation, but it made life very challenging, um, especially being in enclosed spaces. And I got through it. Um, to a point. To a point. I mean, you know, yesterday at Summer Jam was more difficult than Saturday was, but today has been really good. And, you know, I, I do think that certain things worked for me. I'm not sure if they'll work for everybody. You put a lot of work in. I put a lot of work in, and I feel good. And I just want people to know that that if they're going through things, they're not the only ones that are. You got a good response on your on your Instagram. I so I meant to go to hang out with you and everybody at uh, at the Bald Gods. Yeah, he was having a barbecue. barbecue, right? And I all I did, I you know, I was also we were also supposed to be in um Anik Khan's uh, music video right. to do a little cameo, and I spent about six hours just responding to people. I had uh, something like ninety threads on my Instagram, which never gets any attention over there, mm-hmm. and it was just this overwhelming response, all positive response, and. You know, I heard from people, some some friend who said that sometimes his skin feels like it's too tight in his body or that, you know, I heard from people who I never thought would care about anything that was really going on with me. And, and it just meant a lot. And so um, I just want to let you all know that, you know, if you're going through something, please hit me up and I'm happy to talk about it. And you're doing um, a little better. I'm feeling better. Good. So, I mean, I just want to be clear again. Like, I was able to go to all these different events. I was able to do the podcast every week, even though sometimes I would have to get up during the podcast. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was able to do it all. And, and I'm happy that we were able to go to Summer Jam yesterday. Summer Jam was great. A guy named Jay Bateman hit us up last night on Twitter and said, and I don't know why he said this. I don't know if it was the Instagrams. I don't know if he saw us from, you know, the corner of his eye. I, I We don't even know Jay Bateman personally. Right. But, but shouts to Jay Bateman. Shouts to him. He said one of his dreams is to go to Summer Jam with It's The Real. And that's dope. It's, yeah. it's really flattering. I will say, and I, I said this on Twitter too, going there is a lot of rapping by us. It is a lot of inside baseball by us. And it is a lot of friends. And I look forward to Summer Jam every time we go. You know, you can you can say the lineup isn't as great. You could say maybe the festival stage wasn't as great. You want to say it rains every year. Whatever people say. You want to say, oh, this is over, that's over, whatever. I look forward to being around my friends, being around this music that I love, and seeing people like Meek Mill on stage, and seeing our friends, the Locks, on stage, and Swiss Beats on stage. Yeah, that was dope. And Bun B, and, and Slim Thug, and Paul Wall on stage. And there's nothing that beats that. And you can talk all day. And I will. And you will. Yeah. About there's a million festivals and maybe Summer Jam isn't as special as it once was because there's something to do, someone to see every week in every city, in every country. And a lot of times twice every week. Right. But there is something very special about seeing Peter Rosenberg and seeing Ebro and seeing DJ Enough and Megan Wright and... And then connecting with all the people and and rapping the same lyrics as everyone and looking forward to that one big moment and 
And year in and year out, it is something still, I think, very special. Yeah, I think that what's nice about Summer Jam is that it is the last, like, real New York festival, even though it doesn't have a lot of New York talent on the stage at all times. Asap Ferg. Asap Ferg, Locks, you know, Swizz, a few people. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I do think that there is something to that. Um, I do hope that next year they're able to make it more special well uh, look what is special it may not have been special to you but someone going for the first time they're like oh my god Lil Wayne's on stage or Meek Mill came out on a four-wheeler it may have been like everything to them so what is special for veterans of Summer Jam there were not a lot of special guests to be brought out on stage I mean Bill Bib DeVoe was a big surprise that was dope and I was like why did he bring up Bill Bib DeVoe oh his album is called Poison, as yeah. you mentioned on the podcast. And I was like, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. But I think that part of the charm of Summer Jam is like, oh, my God, who is Swiss going to bring out? Who is, you know, Meek going to bring out as a special guest? Who is Wayne going to bring out? Is he going to bring out Drake? Is Drake going to make it a moment? Is is Nicki going to, you know, all this stuff. And that's part of the fun, too. Yeah. I wonder if, if Wayne would have brought out Drake had the thing not gone the way it did. I no, I, I think honestly, I think a big part of this ends up being politics and I think it ends up being like Live Nation and AEG and all these competing festivals and is this gonna get in the way of Drake's tour and all this stuff, which again, this is the insider baseball that Jay Bateman, if you want to join us next yeah, year. You want to talk about some like very It's a lot of this boring stuff to everybody well, else. But yeah. but with all the people that you mentioned before, Rembert and Mouse Jones and all the Duce Palooza guys and Alexa and our brother Dan and a lot of people there, there was so much fun when Timbaland came out during Swiss Beats' set and they battled and hearing Mouse Jones being like, no, it's 2-1 and Rembert <laughs> being like, no, he's on the ropes and you know he's on his knees and like all this stuff. That was fun. That, that was, was fun. really great. Yeah, that was, that was definitely like the most fun part of the festival. So shout out to everybody and look, for anybody out there who's like, listen, these guys are going down, they're driving down to Summer Jam, they're parking near the stadium, they're getting into the VIP area, they're getting out when, you know, during the reggae set, they're not doing it the right way. We did it the perfect way. Yeah, perfect. We we were adults. We adulted at Summer Jam. And we stayed far longer than I think we uh, we were set out to, you know? Yeah, it was great. It yeah. was a great time. Thanks to everybody who invited us there. Thanks to everyone at Hot 97. And we'll look forward to whatever the next festival is. Yeah, like, you know, Powerhouse. Shouts to Power oh, 105. Really? Yeah. Really? Shouts to if Joe Budden has a festival. Oh, if, <laughs> if, Shout out to Joe Budden. Yeah. If whoever has a festival will be there next week. Big you know? shouts to Joe Budden. Yeah. That was hilarious. Jeff, on the podcast today. On the podcast today is our very good friend, our breakfast buddy, the That's man right. who fleshes the muffin, which is to say that he cuts a muffin down the middle and then grills it. Uh, Jeff, be clear. Yeah. He gets someone to fleish the muffin. Right. Okay. Yeah. Talking blueberry muffin grilled down the middle. It's so good. With butter on it. Mm. It's fantastic. Justin Fleischer. He's, Justin Fleischer. He is also known as the Fleisch. Mm-hmm. He is a director. He is a creative director. He is a former New York City school teacher. He's from New Hampshire. He's traveled an amazing journey. He's worked with Iron Solomon. He's worked with Logic. He's worked with Shade 45, Al Lindstrom, Hot New Hip Hop. He has the best stories. He's a great storyteller. And we're so happy 
that of all the stories you could tell about logic and about Iron Solomon and being in like tunnels and shooting music videos and all that, he talked not only about owls, <laughs> but about Julius. French Montana's monkey. Julius Caesar. Yeah. French Montana's monkey. Those two stories are so good. Make sure you guys stick around for those stories because they're legendary. Shout out to our guy, The Fleisch. Shout out to the bald god, Alex Chichamaro. Shout out to Matt Fastow. And shout out to Leah Palmieri. And shout out to Ron Browse. Definitely shout out to Ron Browse. Jeff, you want to recommend three podcasts? Yes. If you like this one, you will like Alex Chichamaro's The Bald God. The Bald God, who, by the way, is the vice president of operations at the new record label, Same Plate Entertainment, over there at Sony. He used to be at Republic. He used to be at Atlantic. He's a digital marketing genius and has... A really, really amazing story going from New York down to Orlando, to Atlanta, back to New York, and working with all of your favorites and is a real genius. Yes. Uh, I would also say Mike Carson. Mike Carson, who is Big Sean's right hand, who was also there at the beginning of Ill Roots, working with Mike Wax. He was working on Watch the Throne, doing these documentary films and, and music videos, and turned that into this creative director position with Big Sean, and he kills it every stage that he is around. And I would also say Naomi Zeichner. Whoa, shout out to Naomi Zeichner, our good friend who works over YouTube, used to work as the editor-in-chief at Fader, and... Has one of the best years. Also, she's on all of our year-end podcasts. She is. Shout out to our girl, Naomi. It's always great to see her. She did an excellent, excellent, excellent event over at the YouTube space with Black Boy JB. That was a lot of fun. Shout out to BMI. Shout out to Shabazz. Shout out to Lior and, and Randy and everyone over at YouTube. Go check out that episode. Jeff, when do you want to get into this one? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Designer Mark McGuire, a.k.a. Go Yard. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Lincoln Build, a.k.a. Logs. Yo, what up? It's Justin Fleischer, a.k.a. The Fleisch, a.k.a. J. Fleet Fly. Blue Fly. <laughs> you already know the basketball G asterisk. <laughs> D, half Jew, Jesus. Geico Caveman. It's game time, baby. Let's get it. Oh, shit. Yo, this is a waste of time and it's the real. Boom. Bang. Boom. The Fleisch. What's happening? Man, I'm happy to be here. Yo, welcome back to New York. I'm happy to be in New York on the Upper West Side with my main mans right Yo, here. how you Ooh. living? I'm feeling so great. Good? So good, so great, so relaxed. Great. Um, I'm in a good place. Good I'm trip to New York? The best. The how good. many years you spent here? I, I did a solid dozen years here, man. I was here from, um, you like, know, the early 2000s until mm, just a few years ago. I did a solid. It's like a bid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, I don't know. I, I, I think back on this, uh, my time here is like the best years of my life, honestly. Like, I grew so much here, learned so much from it, got toughened up a little bit. Mm. Grew your hair a little longer. Yeah. Let the hair, let the locks flow. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Nah, New York is the my favorite city on earth. What is the Hands most down. New York story you can think of? Here, I'll do my most New York story. Yeah. I saw a man stomp a rat to death on the subway. Oh my God, uh, I was yeah. just, that, that's terrifying. <laughs> um, I was just talking to Eric about I was um, leaving Shave Forty Five mm -hmm. after a shoot, and I was walking down the street towards Times Square to catch the train, and um, a gentleman was taking a um, a bowel movement in between mm. two cars, just staring <laughs> me dead in the eyes. And when I tried to look away, he he asked me to um, to lock eyes with him yet again um yeah rather forcefully in fact he was he was adamant about us well, but for how long no he was like look at me look at me while i poop oh my god that happens what guys. we call a new york uh 
minute. <laughs> that was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was one of the longest minutes of my life. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's just that's that classic New York shit. Um, and, and and there's no place like it. It's, it's moments like that. You just you take them in stride. You keep it pushing. You know, that guy kept it pushing. Yeah, <laughs> sure did. <laughs> kept it pushing. Sure did. Absolutely, bro. Nah, man. What a place. What a place. And it's good being back as like a visitor. At this point, yeah, you know, while I still feel like there's a home and everything in many ways, I got family here, I got all some of my best friends in the world here, but like I am a visitor at this point. I live somewhere else, I live in Cali, and like coming back, it's just like you get reminded of all like the good and the bad and the ugly, and like and um, and just the energy, man. It's it's unparalleled. Jeff and I were going to Brooklyn, we had to uh record on, on a friend's podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we were transferring at 72nd Street. And we saw a dude stick his foot in the subway door to, you know, try to get them to open it again. And you start hearing the conductor honk the horn. And two dudes inside the car came over and kicked this one dude's foot out of the train. You know, but the no the, the, the best part about this was this guy who was like a 50-year-old, like, white dude. Right. He thought that, like, the revolution was with him. <laughs> like, he was like, everybody's going to be on my yeah. side. We have all tried to fight the train, and right. I'm going to win. Yeah. And nobody was about it. <laughs> and Absolutely just nobody. just chipping away at his foot, like, just yeah. kicking at it. Like, but if you think about it, no one inside the car is on his side and no one on the subway platform yeah, no. is on his side he's just slowing down the operation the man. whole thing yeah, and I, is the problem like you I'm can't like, wait three minutes <laughs> yeah i still got like scars from holding the chain with my forearm oh those doors are forceful yeah, yeah. but like sometimes you just really need to get on that train <laughs> and then it's like you open the doors you walk on you see no one's on the car and it smells like human feces well, again right. with people pooping yeah, well, yeah look just, them in the eyes that's yeah. a thing that happens though that you know poop you know, it's a, it's it's a it's, a, it's open season. For yeah, everybody poops. That's yeah. right. Fleisch, you are from New Hampshire. I am from the live free or die six zero three state. Where in New Hampshire? I'm from the southwest corner, small town named Keene, K W E N E. What is Keene known for? Pumpkins. Really? Yeah, the pumpkin fest. That was the uh, the big thing for many years. They used to build massive pyramids of pumpkins and light them all on. Um, light them all up and set the world record and until one year the uh the local college students decided to um turn it into um a party huh. thing and um there were riots and <laughs> cop cars burnt on fire what? and um we made it to the daily show they were because it was right around the time of like black lives matter ferguson and actual real protests and, yeah and and um uprising and stuff and and essentially this was like trying to show how stupid college students like you know frat type dudes are and daily show played our lives and now we don't do the pumpkin festival uh, well, uh, but that was the main thing in my town so that should give you a good idea what it was like there <laughs> growing so, up were you were you a fan of pumpkins or was it so many pumpkins that you fucking hated them yeah 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 um Nah, it's, it's, it's pretty fun. Okay. Carve yeah. pumpkins and, and uh, <laughs> roast the seeds. Like, I wish I could go on a, a tirade right now about the stigma around pumpkins, but it was pretty... Uh, Pumpkin fan. Yeah, do you also do, like, corn mazes and stuff? Like, yeah. you know, hay rides? All kind of, like, fall, autumn activities were encouraged. I mean, we had leaf peepers come up there looking at the leaves. We had... Um, pumpkins oh we call them leaf peepers that's a thing yeah it's, a, it's like a tour. the tourist yeah, yeah you know all the tourists that come to Times square and look up at the buildings we just had leaf peepers come and <laughs> clog up the the really the works. wide open roads with yeah their station wagons i don't know what we're really talking about here but uh no it's a, it a great place to grow up um when i go back there now it's just like 
after two or three days, I get really, really antsy and it's really quiet and it's like, um, it's quaint. Yeah. Well, ever since they shut down the pumpkin stuff, it's just like, what do you even have to do? Not much. Yeah. That was the thing. So what did you do growing up? It, it was you and how many siblings? Just me and my sister. That's it? Yeah. She, she's got four years on me and she was always like really into the studies and uh, she set the tone. She set the tone for the family. She was a hard worker, you know, and then I was the wild one and grew up with like really progressive liberal parents and um well, what they do my mom's an artist you know that's her main thing um she worked in marketing as well and then my dad um he was a professor and a therapist as well wow yeah so you have a an artist and a professor um therapist <laughs> and a seemingly a great student as a sister yeah what made you just go off well i didn't go off right away you know, I, I was going down the path of, you know, that was kind of like not expected of me, but just sort of more traditional path in the sense that I became a teacher. You know, I went to um, college um, and studied like cultural anthropology. And then right out of college, I, I went for my master's while I was teaching um, in public schools. Well, wait, let me just stop you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cultural anthropology. <laughs> what did you, you knew that you were getting a job out of college, obviously. Yeah, well, that, yeah, I mean, there's not too many like careers that directly correlate with like cultural anthropology crazy yeah i mean it's <laughs> like but like um my dad he was like i said a professor so i thought of education i was also interested like i'm really still am interested in social justice and that's like a big passion of mine so um you know being becoming a teacher didn't seem like the craziest thing it seemed like a pretty good trajectory to follow but to teach what um teach like i i was going for like teach for america so mm -hmm. you know at that point, I was open to anywhere, you know, and just, just to help out. Like, I wanted to go out and, like, do service for the world. And um, I didn't get in Teach for America, but I got into New York City Teaching Fellows, which okay. is, like, kind of like the the public version. That, you know, Teach for America is private. It's the public version. It's, um, it's and then you still get your master's for free and everything. So I went for it, man. And um, Do I they have a focus? York. Once you get into the program, you pick, like like you said, like a focus. And mine was bilingual education. Okay. So because See. I spoke Spanish, C. Si. Mm -hmm. si, ya claro. <laughs> but, like, since I um, was really into, interested in all that, I had studied abroad already in Dominican Republic. I was, like, pretty. In college? In high school, even. Yeah, I went my junior year. Hold up. For wait. a semester. Yeah, that's what changed my whole life. My wait, wait, so uh, 16 years old? Yeah, I was six. I was, I, when I first went, I would think I was, yeah, I was 16, correct. And yeah. what are you offered? The opportunity to go anywhere or specifically to like a sister city or something? Or? Yeah, no, there were certain programs. Were you a missionary? Oh, nah, <laughs> nah, bro. They don't want me telling nobody about no missions. Trust that. No, I was, um, there was certain, certain countries that my high school had a relationship with um, and programs already set up and Dominican Republic was one of them. And, uh, um, you know, it involved a homestay. There are already families that had been, you know, hosting kids from my high school. And then we also, in my high school, it was a legit exchange. Because yeah. we also hosted people from Dominican Republic in my high school, blah, blah, blah. Wait, wait so yeah. uh, how many other students went with you to the DR? It was a great group of like 11, I want to say. Whoa. And yeah. how many stayed in your household? Every kid from the program was in a different house. Had their house. own house. Yeah. How was that? Immersive, huh? Changed my whole life. I'm telling you. Do they speak any English? No, and that was a blessing because it forced me to learn Spanish and also... In uh, Espanol, por favor. Okay, como te digo. <laughs> bueno, pues, cuando fui, ya tú sabes, fui a una casa con una familia y me enseñaron a hablar español. Yeah. Uh, how was your uh, 
immersion in terms of your culinary options. Wow. I don't know. I mean, we got my... No pumpkins down there. No. (laughs) Bro. The the lack of pumpkins was shocking (laughs) culturally. No. I mean, you guys got Malecon right around the corner. We do. Yep. Now... Malecon is great. It's a great New York Dominican restaurant. But like home-cooked Dominican food is, in my opinion, one of the best cuisines in the world. I mean, nobody can make a pla- uh, you know, plantain the way Dominicans can. Um, there's like mango, you know, um, obviously like pastelon, which is like plantain lasagna. Changed my life. Rice beans, obviously. And then um, there's just so many little like specialties like mori sognando which is like orange juice and milk which sounds weird but it just works but it's like an, well it's an orange dream just bang the table again. <laughs> you were excited <laughs> freaking out but yeah it's like a creamsicle you're a high schooler you're going out of the country uh, and, and was, it couldn't have been any more different right no absolutely and i was like i told you where i was from i told you i'm from this little ass town i mean my parents like i said are progressive they exposed me to a lot coming up like to to make sure i was like well-rounded yeah. yeah but at the same time like I still was super blatantly to say it like I was ignorant. Yeah, like, right. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything like and well, no, you were naive. Yeah, I think that's probably the better word. Right. Yeah, yeah. And like when I when I got down there, just my eyes got opened up to so much. Um, and and I finally like for the first time I felt like the other, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. which is important. Um, you know, I would get on a bus and everyone would just stare at me like, "Who the hell is this kid? Where is he from?" Um, did you and, have free reign to do whatever you wanted down there? Yeah, I assume man. you had to go to some classes. That's and- kind of the vibe in Dominican Republic. Is just like it's very, it's very much like libertad, you know, just tranquilo, tranquilidad. Like it's just like um, it, it it's a place where you can really like just vibe out, man. Yeah. It's a move. Yeah, I love. If I recommend anyone, it, don't just go to the resorts. Don't just do the all inclusive. Get up, get onto the island, like. It, they have so much to offer, so much like rich culture. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, I love that place. I'm so I'm getting married there. So, wow. Yeah. So coming back though to the states after that, what was your mindset like? I think yeah, and like you asked me like what got me into teaching, and, and like that had a lot to do with it too. Because not only did I study over there, but I also worked in a school over there. So like when I came back, I was like, I want to keep that that sort of like mindset, keep that in motion. Um, I continue to like want to reach out and like experience other cultures experience um you know difference you know um much like i had over there and um and yeah where'd you, go, where'd you go to college i went to georgetown yeah in, in dc and um i studied abroad again to, in dr you while went back. i was there yeah but this time for six months and wow. did you uh revisit your family absolutely like every weekend because i was in the capital when i went back and I would co- I would take the bus like forty five minutes to the town where I'd studied originally, like every weekend. And I still am in touch with them. That that's, that's awesome. Yeah, they're they are legitimately like family. That's beautiful. It is, man. It and it really did change my life for the better. I love the Dominican Republic so much, man. Did you take any Spanish courses while you were at Georgetown? Yeah, I, I minored. It was one of my minors, Spanish. One of your minors. Yeah. So cultural anthropology was your major. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what'd you minor in? I'm modern in Spanish and then um, the interdisciplinary arts. So I studied like photography, acting, um, sculpture, like every. Yo, like, are you like really smart in the low? Like what's <laughs> happening here? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Let's turn up, bro. Like, um, 
No, I, I love. Um, That's a I, lot of courses. Yeah, yeah, and like I thought I was just doing that because I was interested in it, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's it's ended up being my career. Mm-hmm. So in hindsight, I probably wish I had like. Well, yeah, we we went to a we went to a friend's magazine launch, and I was introduced to this girl, and I was talking about my college experience. I looked at it as an apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going there, and I'm going to study film, and my path is straight, and that's that's it. Right. So uh, our parents, I was the oldest child, and they were like, please do a liberal arts, you know, just figure it out and take all, you know, dip into every sort of pot, but figure it out at the end of college, yeah. not focus your whole career on one thing. And she asked me, this girl asked me, did I make the right choice? And I was really stuck. I was like, no one's ever really like approached me with that. Right. And I, I think I did. Um, we were discussing this the other day, wherein my my experiences as a filmmaker have sort of shaped uh, my experiences well, going forward. Right. With, yeah. With like, it's the real. had you not gone to school for film, had you not ended up with Kanye, had you not like done all these things, right. like, it's the real wouldn't have started. Right. Yeah. Um, Jeff. Uh, had had a different sort of experience with college in that, like, yeah, you were, well, as, I, as an American studies major, my major was sort of bullshit. But I, um, I wrote about rap, and also I wanted to write for Rolling Stone, which I eventually did. Right, right. but but overall, you know, somewhere in between, I think was you. Yeah, and do, do you do you feel like your college experience has given you the tools and the skills that you now use today? One thousand percent. Not only that, like like when I look back on the just the trajectory of everything, I don't think I made a single mistake. You know, even though I started the actual like career that I'm like invested in and like believe is my calling, like I even though I started that at like 28, I don't regret anything leading up to that point because I think, like you said, it like gave me the skills and the experience I needed in order to thrive in what I'm doing now. Yeah. So honestly, like I don't have any regrets. Um. I, I say that I wish I had studied it more like a major, just more because like those were were my favorite classes. So it mm-hmm. would have been fun to just do that all the time. But so it, with all the classes you took, did you have any classes that were sort of just out there? Like Jeff took golf. I um, took Chinese literature. You know, I took one astronomy. Are, yeah, sort of off the beaten path. I guess some of the prerequisites I had to take, like you know, like the stu- like I took a science class about the science of music. Whoa. And it sounded on paper like it was going to be fascinating. <laughs> and it ended up being like the snoozer of the century. <laughs> Not a good class. And it was at like 7 a.m. on Damn. Tuesdays. And well, uh, See, I was the king of I would just arrange it so that my, all my classes were like, you know, 12 to 6 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Smart. And I would smart. like, you know, be able to sleep in. You're smart on the low. <laughs> yeah, I'm that. Nah, honestly, <laughs> guys. Line I'm, up that schedule. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the. You're like, not the guy who puts his foot in the in the doors of the subway car. You're no. the guys who kick the other kick guys out. I'm the guy who drives the train. <laughs> wow. Yo. Yeah. Yo, you got heaters on the deck, man. I didn't realize how philosophical <laughs> Jeff was till recent, very recently, but my man's got heaters. The car ride over here. Yeah, man. Like, what'd you say about dancers? I said, uh, are we human? Are we dancers? That's not even a good line, though. That's from the killers. Wow. I'm into it, though. It's a question I need to, like, really sit on for a while. What music were you listening to when you were growing up, though? Let's not get it twisted i might come from like a really rural like sleepy place but i've been on hip-hop since heavy d Mm -hmm. um fresh prince yeah Mm -hmm. and then i was talking about this the other day when fuji's the score big in 96 or 96 when when that came out it was over like I was like, because I was I was listening to Heavy D, Fresh Prince, and like CNC Music Factory, MC sure. Hammer, um, Vanilla Ice, all that stuff. Like uh, that wave hit me a little bit, but I was still like 
just like buying tapes every once in a while. Like, what are we talking about? Like nine years old, blah, blah, blah. But when 96 hit and I was um at that time, you know, like coming of age, you know, mm-hmm. that just spoke to me, bro. Wyclef the Carnival, mm. you know, like, um, and then when I got to high school and my friends put me on a like tribe. Mm-hmm. Blew your mind. Yo. De La Soul. Most Def, Tyler Quali in the raucous era like sound bombing too that's when just everything changed and that was like clearly like what i was about um i mean we've touched on i also had other little phases um <laughs> like like ska yeah and, yeah, yeah. And punk or you um, were mighty mighty boss tones guy yeah wow. alternative even unfortunately no listen stuff but like of course it's nostalgic when i hear it now you know but but really hip-hop has always been my my first love and like my true love like, did your parents get hip-hop did they get it Nah, like they're they're getting it it's, it's taking like years and years um for them to like warm up to it but they've never been like opposed to it or like in any way like yeah you know they they've never pushed back um with what i've listened to they my parents like i said they they have they come from like you know you know the free love era and like they're open they 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 encourage open-mindedness and um that's been a blessing you know i've never never had to worry about parental advisory you know i still listen to like the adam sandler comedy cds <laughs> and like who was also from new hampshire i was gonna say yep yep Let's, let's, and he's also, yeah. you know, he, he also has Jewish roots. Yeah. Mm. You know, so that was like, that was the idol. Seth Meyers might yeah. as well be Jewish. Is but Sarah Silverman from New York? She sure yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. And Static Selector. And, yeah, <laughs> yep. Uh, Brendan Frederick. B Fred from, uh, from, from Genius. Genius. Yep. Oh, wow. It's okay. from up there. Adam 22 is from up there. Right. That's what Mench Main was mentioning. Oh, and, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's few and far between, but the people that come from there, we come out strong, man, because, you know, it's like not much going on. So you really got to, like, you got to work hard to get out out from out of there and, like, and make make your name and, and do something important. Question yeah. What are your thoughts on Vermont? <laughs> Yo, for the longest time, I had like legit, like real beef with with Vermont. Um, you know, we we live free or die, and they were like, "I'm from Vermont, I do what I want." So that was like a battling slogan. Mm. Um, <laughs> but then recently, I've come to really mess with New York, uh, with uh, Vermont because Ben and Jerry's. It's chill. It's just chill over there, and it's like really beautiful, like the landscape, and <laughs> and they're even in many ways more open minded out there. Um, Wow, found, a lot yeah. of concessions right now. I'll be honest, yeah. with you. I really yeah. do mess with Vermont. You guys, you guys have been to Vermont? Spent yes. a lot of time in Vermont. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Our grandparents had a had a house up there. Wow, I yeah. love Vermont. Like like Burlington, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, sure. But like I'm I'm closest to Brattleboro. It's ten minutes. We're away. Manchester boys. Yeah, Manchester, Vermont. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Outlet stores, you know. All right. Um, All right. <laughs> so when you were getting ready to graduate from college, you were on pace to get into teaching? Yeah. That was your sole like sort of vision. Yeah. So like I said, cultural anthropology doesn't have like a lot of career trajectories and um or so I'll, you think. Nah, yeah. Like being an anthropologist, like being like Indiana Jones is not like I guess he was he an archaeologist? He was an archaeologist. By the way, my college roommate who is an idiot, mm-hmm. he said that he wanted to be whatever Indiana Jones was. That's that's what he said. Yeah. That was the quote. He said, I want to be whatever Indiana Jones was, which is an archaeologist. He ended up doing capoeira in Ooh. Brazil. As a career? Uh, well, he sort of dropped off the map, yeah. and people were like, what happened to that kid? Turns out he was doing dance fighting in Brazil. Anyway. Right. <laughs> we're dancers. Yeah. Oh, oh. Wow. Here's the answer. <laughs> yeah, we're not humans. No, man. Like, so anthropology was like, it was interesting, and like, it's all about like... um. In a way, like, it, 
ties into what I'm doing now because, like, I, for example, like ethnography, right? Um, I took a class called Vision. the study of people. Yeah, but yeah, and like also the way to document studying people. Right. So that's sort of like what I brought into what I do now. Um, but going back to your question, like when I was first leaving college, um, I just knew that a lot of kids from my school were going for teaching, and and my dad was a teacher, and and I loved working with kids. I had done like all these programs, like I, that was my job in college was like um, tutoring running a tutoring program wow um it's called dc schools and um so i was heavy in the community i was like and i was into it and i knew it could be like a good natural progression and i went for it i got into the teaching fellows not teach for america teaching fellows moved to new york and and i got thrown into the middle of the ocean where'd you live when you first moved to new york 235th and broadway Ooh, all holy. the way up there um that takes you like an hour to get down to anywhere yeah well i was working one I was line? working on 218th and Broadway. So it's oh, okay. kind of like convenient to there. Yeah. That's why I ended up there. Is, but I was like, I had to cross over from the Bronx into Manhattan every day um, into, Di like, you know, yeah, Inwood. In yeah. Called yeah. Dykeman, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and I was just, when I say I was thrown in the ocean, it was, I was in charge of a fourth and fifth grade bridge bilingual class with 32 kids, eight of which were girls and the rest were boys and they were a rambunctious group to say the least and i was just like not prepared for that and um you're mr fleischer i was mr f i was mr fleischer and i was um i was playing the part man i was doing my, my best you know but it was it was like how do you discipline that many uh rambunctious fourth and fifth graders eric when when i tell you that i have no clue <laughs> how you do that that was my biggest issue i, I probably spent seven percent of the time actually teaching damn you know i mean it was just it was really really hard um but i learned from it you know i learned some i grew from that whole experience um and i genuinely love spending time with the kids and like that was my favorite part was just like getting to know them and like their personalities and their character and seeing them like develop but then the the I didn't love the actual job of it, you know, showing up and like preparing them for the test because that's all it's about now in public school. You know, it's like like teaching them how to answer multiple choice questions. So, the you know, when I was coming up and, you know, in my schools, we read books as a class and like we would analyze them and critique them. But in this modern, in this school system I was working in, it was all about the test. Well, you're also coming from a very unstructured place, and then you have to like sort of impose the structure is like a very weird, like. Yeah, and I was 21. Like, yeah, and it's gotta be like a total like mind fuck. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like a young kid myself. So, yeah. so like becoming all of a sudden this authoritarian like, you know, structural guy like it was. It was yeah, it was a shock um, for them, for me, for everybody involved. <laughs> and then I did like one year there, and I was like, I can't keep going with this. So I went down to middle school which oh yeah that sounds like it's gonna be so much better now like middle school kids are even wilder. hormones yeah yeah so i did like three or i did about four years at a middle school down here actually upper west side um shout uws out. yeah shout out ms44 <laughs> no longer in existence so but, what yeah. at that point during those three or four years at ms44 what mattered more to you at the end of the day the kids that you had a breakthrough with or the kids that wouldn't take anything from you? What mattered to me? Um, 
Man, that's a great question, man. Um, it's only great questions on this podcast. Yeah, man. No, but the thing is, like, it's hard to tell. Like, you don't get the instant gratification of knowing if what you're saying is sinking in. So sometimes I've had kids come come to me years later and be like, what you told me on that day in that moment, even though I, like, ran out of the room or, like, like punched somebody right after you said it, in that moment, it still, like, hit me. You know, like, I'm, so I, I, I've got, I have emails from kids who've hit me nowadays and they're like thank you for that and stuff so that you know that matters to me um but also it's like you know the kids that it didn't really and you can tell it just didn't hit them at all that just crushes you because unfortunately you know i, I had like a student you know get you know get into stuff and you know go away or like i had one kid get like you know shot and killed and mm -hmm. um it, it it really affects you because you feel that responsibility. You feel like you could have done something. Um, yeah, they all matter to me, man. They all every single kid I was responsible for mattered to me. Um, I yeah, you just become so close with them despite all the the BS you have to deal with. You know, um, can we curse on you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I've been fuckery, cursing, man. Like yeah. it was just a lot of fuckery, man. It was like a very high stress job, and then combine that with being in New York. Coming from New Hampshire and being in New York and then trying to, you know, survive here. It was it was a wild time in my life, but I really do feel like I came out of it really a lot. Well, what's your what's your getaway in those moments? Hmm. Besides the Upper West Side, definitely bars. the music too, man. <laughs> the music, you know, like then we talked about how much I love hip hop and like going on the train after work and like putting Kicking on some a, dude's foot out of the door. <laughs> yeah, first, getting the dude's foot out of the door, <laughs> stomping on a rat. That's right. Yeah, and then watching someone poop <laughs> right in front of my face. No, but then just like sitting on the train listening to a, like an album and just shutting off in the zone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> zone, 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 zone. zone. <laughs> but no, yeah, that that would be a way to escape. Most of the time, I was working at that middle school. I lived in Washington Heights, so getting some good Dominican food. Yeah, and escaping back to the island for a few minutes, you know, and then obviously drinking heavily on the weekends and doing the happy hour thing and just being young in New York. It was the best time of my life, man. It was wild. I it, loved it. How did you come to the decision to stop teaching? Wow. Yo, that was a moment. There was one year. It was so It's actually a really dramatic story. Like I was like back home in New Hampshire for a holiday break and I was like, sitting in front of a fireplace in a, oh in a completely dark room and i was like what am i doing because even though it was fun and and and, and i was growing and stuff at that moment I, all i knew is that i was just like stressed beyond belief and also i was starting to feel guilty because i was starting to get content i was like figuring it out a little bit like figuring out how to manage behavior and sort of just coast in not such a great way in the sense that i didn't feel like i was really like helping the kids and I felt like I was just getting, I was becoming one of those jaded teachers, you know, that was just like phoning it in a little bit. And I was like, yo, I need to stop because I'm not doing a service to the kids and I'm not doing a service to myself because I'm not happy. I'm not doing what I really want to do. Um, so it was content in a bad way. At the same time, I was reconnecting with a friend of mine from high school who it was and is a producer, singer, songwriter. And he was working with... Um, Iron Solomon. Yep. Shout out to Iron Solomon. Who's made um, an incredible comeback recently and is like really smashing it in the battle rap game. But at that time, he was trying to break into the music um, game, not just as a battle rapper, but as like, you know, putting out music. And and um, my friend was working with him. It was the two of them. And he was like, yo, we would love to have somebody come help us with the business side of things, you know, the more like non music side of things. So, um, Man, I just took the leap of faith. I was just like, 
let's do this, man. I'm, I'm, I'm off this, you know, like I was applying for a job to become a Dean of school culture at a charter school in Brooklyn. Whoa. They were offering me $75,000 a year. And then Iron Solomon was offering me no disrespect. Like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying numbers like this, but he was like, at that time he, he, he got me up to $500 a month on a stipend. Mm-hmm. But before that, it was just like a commission based thing. And there wasn't anything that we were getting commissioned for. So I would, I went, I, I turned down $75,000 a year to become this Dean of school culture, which was basically going to be like Dean of discipline and, and stuff. I, I turned that down to, to, um, to go out to work with them. Why? Cause it was exciting, man. I loved music. Um, and I was, I was liking the music they were making and, and the, the production my, my friend was creating, I believed in him and I, I was watching a lot of Entourage and I was really fascinated by um, Ari Gold. Mm-hmm. Like I had this idea of becoming like the East Coast Ari Gold and um, I just decided to go for it. Um, I think I was also just that fed up in that moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you think that your parents understood the decision you were making? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. My parents helped me. You know, obviously I got scholarship, financial aid, it contributed to a lot of my own education, but also... They put in a lot of money. They didn't understand how Georgetown degree was going to, you know, how this could be justified, this decision. Um, they they were scared. They were worried. Um, they believed in me and they're loving and open-minded. But, I mean, understandably, they were nervous. Mm-hmm. And that went on for years. Yeah. I mean, guys, like, when we're talking about, like, I, I don't even remember the exact year, but, like, when I really left teaching and went for this, it was a scary moment. How old are you at this point? So I was, um, I had done five five years in teaching. I was like 25, 26. Yeah. 26, yeah. And you're going from every day, you have a set schedule, you wake up, you get dressed up, you go and you, you know, you start your school day and you end your school day and it's a routine. Yeah. And throw that all out the window. All out the window. To go to Fight Club. <laughs> to go, yeah, to go like, the, the, the way that I got broken into it was um the like, um, like my first month on the job, I went to Miami for the um, Iron Solomon versus E Ness battle. Big, wow. yeah. That's a big what was wow. the shirt? No bitch ass Ness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what like that's where that shirt was. Oh, I guess the shirt had already been out, but like that's when like I started wearing that, that was, shirt. That was a so, great like, moment. I went from like wearing like polos and khakis and teaching kids to wearing new, no bitch ass Ness shirts and like selling like Iron Solomon vinyls outside of this battle. Like the and 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 then being you could see me in the background of oh, that the video. Battle. Um, and the MOOC one, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, but um, the point is that was my first month. So I'm in Miami, yeah. like where like, all this wild stuff happened. Like we went straight from like the battle that night to like the, to Tootsie's, the strip club, <laughs> which is like oh, you know, a renovated Costco. It they got turned into a strip club straight to the plane. Like breakfast burrito might have ended up throwing up on the plane. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like. The, it was it was zero to one hundred in a major crazy way. Yeah, what was the energy like in that room though? Yo, it was unparalleled, man. Like that was that was an exhilarating moment. It really did affirm that it made the right choice in the sense that I'm like involved in something with that exciting, man. I just was looking for that excitement. I was looking for that being around creativity. You know, I was you know, I wanted to be around 
stuff that was happening. And with Solomon, we, we got into a lot of rooms where a lot of stuff was happening. You know, we were SOBs like every weekend, just checking out shows that of people that he messed with or like going to battles and going to like Montreal for like a show, Philly, you know, radio station appearances. And then eventually we got up to, um, to shade 45, mm. you know, which set me up for my, the next move, you know? And so well, before we even get there, yeah. did he ever roast you? Man, when I tell you that's one of the funniest people <laughs> I've ever met and, and smart funny. So smart. Yo, he, like his humor is like intelligent um, on another level. And yes, I got, <laughs> I mean, imagine, dude, I'm a kid from New Hampshire. Like and this dude's from New York. Yeah. I think he's from this neighborhood. He's from yeah. New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah, I absolutely got scorched <laughs> on a daily basis. Me and, and then Isaiah as well. Like we, we. Because Isaiah is from where I'm from. We went to high school together. The friend that, that was working with us. And he's from a farm. You know, so we <laughs> we we got, you know. But we all we all went back and forth with each other. It was a fun time. And, like, as scary as it was, it was exciting. And I went, you know, I was going for broke, man. I, yeah, I was going for it. What is the best room that you guys were in together? Mm, my, my real favorite room was not a room. It was like a video set. So when we shot the video for a single that he was working on, the video never came out. But sh in shooting that video, I, I saw myself almost like involuntarily get involved. Like it was like almost like involuntary muscle where I just subconsciously started like directing. And there was a there was a kid shooting it and he was great. He is great. But like I was like really getting in the mix and it was feeling so natural. And on that set, I feel like I realized that I could like really like do that. Um, and we were in like the Freedom Tunnels right down there below the West Side Highway. Oh shit! Yeah, and and I was so like, that's not legal. Nah, <laughs> dude. You know how many times I've shot down there? No, a lot of times. <laughs> Shout out to all the cops yeah. listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. but, so for, for anyone who doesn't know, it's the Amtrak tunnels, right? That are yeah. There's so, and then there's abandoned tunnels as right, well. Right. Yeah. And it's like they have access to electricity. There's like they did a documentary about it. And yeah. Like, about the people who like live there and right. Yeah. Um, fellas, is it okay, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think yeah. it should. I think it should. All right. We'll take a little break here. I'm sorry, man. Oh, let's no, go. No, I, I feel like this is a good time though, because like, yeah, we will be able to pick right back up. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Okay. I'm sorry. I apologize. All good. Yeah. Fuck the meters. <laughs> So while Fleisch goes to put more money in the meter downstairs, this is the perfect opportunity, Jeff, to talk about our new t-shirts at itsthereal.com slash shop. Yes, these are our AKA shirts, Woo! which have not all of our AKAs, but most of them. All your favorites. some of them. There are a hundred of them. There's so many AKAs. And so we've been sending these out day by day. Yes. A lot of people are buying them. Yeah, from West Virginia, from Texas, from Chicago, from New York, New Jersey, Montreal. Somebody from Quebec. Quebec. Yes. Shout out to Canada. Uh, we also have orders coming in from London. We do international, guys. Go to itsthereal.com slash shop right now and get those t-shirts before they go. Why are they purple, Jeff? Because we're the Purple City Bird Gang. <laughs> <laughs> uh -uh! Itsthereal.com slash shop. Get those t-shirts right now. And now, back to the podcast. So you figured out that you had the vision. Yeah, I figured out that this was an aptitude of mine. I didn't know that this was like the one, but after that day, I took on like, I started taking on duties for them involving the camera they bought for the company. What kind of camera? It was a Canon 60D. 
So not a 6D, right. but a 6D. Six <laughs> you would think they would come up with like a little bit of a more fluid name, but it's 60D. And then they have the 6D. But this was a 60D with a little 50 millimeter 1.4 lens. So the, the, the handheld, you can record video on it. DSLR. Yep. I was taking photos. I was taking behind the scenes video for Iron Solomon, shooting little freestyle videos. And I was like remembering back to high school when I had taken this digital video class and learned Final Cut 3. Ooh. So we're on Final Cut 10. Do the math. <laughs> so this was, but it was like riding a bike for me. I remember how to edit. I put together behind the scenes for him. It took me like 20 minutes. They were like, damn. I was like, yeah, this is the same. The, the program hasn't changed that much. Because you're, you're the business guy, though. Yeah, yeah. I was like the logistics guy, the business guy. But also, I was in charge of PR. Like, I would send out the press releases. Wearing a lot of hats. Man, when you have, like, an operation, like, when we, we were working above a subway out of an apartment, you know, we, we were, I was crashing on the couch every night and then go, sometimes going back up to Washington Heights where I lived all the way from down there in Brooklyn. Yep. I don't know, man. It was, it was really definition of grassroots and exciting it was a startup absolutely and like we were actually making some progress you know i mean he got to talk to you guys yes this is yeah. true yeah at that time you know and also he, he was getting picked up by all the blogs blogs were really big back then yeah you know, so not right and you were, rap radar and we were getting posts and world star was fucking with him because it was like the bottle rap guy and um you know he had already gotten 20 million views on youtube at that time you know just from his battles so he had that momentum and we were just trying to you know, introduce him as an actual credible artist. Right. It's a big stigma against a battle rapper. At for the sure. Time. So it was a challenge, but we were up for it. And we, the three of us were working hard to get, to get him to break through. You ended up at Sirius. Yeah. With him. Yeah. So, well, sort of like I went up there to film him on, um, I think it was actually, um, it was Rude Jude. And so Rude Jude was in Cali or somewhere else, but um, Lord Sear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he went on Lord Sear's show. And we, I filmed him freestyling. Um, and then he developed, I think Al Lindstrom was booking for somebody up there. Maybe when he went up on Static. Point being, we, we got in good with like Al Lindstrom. I think Al Lindstrom might have been in talks to like work a record for him. But it, by connecting with Al, that helped me out later on when Solomon decided to stop working on the music. Stop battling for a while. Um, and I was like, okay, so what am I going to do? I go back to all the connections we had made. I go back to the director that we had mentioned earlier. I went back to Al Lindstrom. I went to Jack Thriller. You what? know, yeah, yeah. I worked with Jack Thriller for a while on a double XL thing. I worked with double XL with Sam Tubia Edwards, who was running double XL's video department. Um, I just, I guess relationships have always been like, a strength of mine as well is like forming relationships and not just bullshit like industry ones like I'm, I'm really like honestly try to like connect with people and like people who we're all working towards the same thing like creatively like I like to have genuine relationships and that's really helped me a lot so one thing I always tell people who ask me like how to get to where I'm at is like is just you need to be a good person and genuinely connect don't just do the networking thing like you gotta like make real connections um, stay in touch exactly and don't just be don't just like ask people for things you know like offer something totally. you know totally you were doing the definition of, of freelancing oh yeah at that time when Solomon first left music I started freelancing like hard like I'm talking about I worked with Al doing all his interviews for his website 
I was doing static selectors, freestyle videos every Thursday night. Sometimes I would do Tony Touches freestyle videos. I was doing freelance music videos for a couple people. And then what's the most like out of this range sort of job that you accepted? Like what's like the craziest thing that you were just like, well, I need money and this is how I'm going to get it. So Solomon had a company. He was also working with a company called Groundworks and we set up like events. So we were we were like building and breaking down like marathons or like conferences for like like the New York Times like conference in the Hilton by where the halal card is. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. And on Sixth like, Avenue. Yeah. And like so building so we would do like twenty three hour shifts with like when we would like take naps on benches in between just I was in the I was in the cert, like the event production industry on the side as well. So like I was physically building Oh my God, physically, yes. Like like unloading trucks, like putting down seven thousand chairs um, putting up police barriers um, in the rain and in the, in, in the sleet and, and for inhumane periods of time, <laughs> like 23 hours of shifts. And it was like all these dudes from the um, EO dub, which is this like the pyramid club down in the um, East village. They have this like Sunday night, like rap battle or rap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's like a talent showcase every Sunday night. And like, it was like all the, goons that we all like mobbed out with like from there we're we just were just doing all it, yeah. working well, event production it was insane no that's dude. so funny though yeah. so greg mayo who produces all of our music yo the god the god greg G mayo May. he had a band years ago and just same same idea right you have to have some other side hustle and they were movers they were movers yeah absolutely <laughs> like, they all had you a truck. have to have a side hustle yeah. you have to have like but i like the idea of like all of them doing it together like all you guys yep. like one night you're all gonna go to a battle yep and then the next day you're gonna go set something up absolutely no nah, no nah, it was and that builds your character too man just having to like really work you know and like and um and it made like the wins that we had creatively that much more sweet because right. we knew we were like putting in sweat equity to get there um sweat sweat <laughs> wordplay bro but um and then just sort of like to answer your other like your question just like out of the realm stuff like also i accepted a job for no money um to go to puerto rico with a battle rapper named nems who was who's also like yeah. in music and like i shot a video with him in puerto rico and like that was a wild experience like wild 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 like i can't even tell you well because you're a dominican, dominican republican guy yeah, yeah, well yeah. yeah it didn't have as much <laughs> to do with the prdr beef as it did have to do with some possibly potentially allegedly illicit things but i can't even speak on that no, that's fair yes but like but like all i know is that that that, that was like the first music video i shot flesh be honest with me who created mafongo no, I'll, I'll give that to PR. No, oh, oh, but don't talk to me about Mongo. <laughs> mm -hmm. Don't like I'll give I'll give my phone to DR, uh, to a PR, but but DR got the, uh, right. the Mongo con yeah. los tres golpes, <laughs> the fried eggs, fried cheese, fried salami mm. with the mashed plantains. That's that's DR. Yo, you got the juice, Mori Soñando. <laughs> my man. Yo. <laughs> yo, so that's the first music video you directed. Yeah, and you took that job for free. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, because he he laced me on um, for the travel. And um, it, I learned so much just shooting and editing and and um, helping to release that whole thing. Like, um, but yeah, it was a freelance hustle. And then through Shade Forty Five shooting with Static, um, I met Johnny Shipes. Cinematic. Cinematic, and I started working with 
Creative Control, who was at the time working with Shipes. Yo, so, uh, you know, the Creative Control guys have both been up here, Kudi and Chike. The god, the <laughs> mentors, yeah. the gods, like two of the most talented people I've ever worked with. I, so, I learned so much from those dudes. I started off through working with Shipes, working with them, doing um, editing just as an intern, and then we started working with Joey, Badass, and Smoke Dizza, who, by the way, mm. I'm pretty sure you guys cooked like some saffron risotto or something before. <laughs> and I was kind of like expecting that coming up here. But I remember that episode. You could like hear him chewing and it sounded Can delicious. I just take a second now to shout out Bald God and Alex Chichmaro and, uh, and Matt Fastow because they are like, along with you, I believe are the uh, most ardent supporters of the fact that we would cook for guests in the early episodes. My man, yeah. I can't support it fully until it happens. So like what's in the oven? And by the way, we made a sausage, acorn squash and cherries and uh, oh, red, onion, red onion, sage. See, yeah. See, yeah. I remember that episode. Mm -hmm. Was that the Dizzle one? That was the Dizzle oh, one. Yeah. That was the one where the sound is so bad that you can't really <laughs> listen to it. The but, one? Wow. I think I've there's a few. That, that, that was one early one. Did Mayo have something to do with that? No. no. That was Mayo old. did. That's yeah, yeah. It could have been listening mayo, to it. It would have been great. Yeah. Yo, my man Mayo got the skills, man. He does. I can't wait to see you guys live again and see Mayo out there. Doing right on. Thing. Shout out to Greg Mayo. When's the next show? Larry over at SOBs did ask us to come back. So yeah, you guys we'll got to come out to the West Coast. We too. do. We I do. really yeah. want to see you guys out we there. We want to see you too. And, and Cousin Lou. Shout out to Cousin Shout Lou. Shout out to Cousin Lou. <laughs> Cousin. Cousin Lou with the KK. So when you're working with Creative Control, yeah. you're learning at their elbow. Right. What are you getting from them? Man, I mean, they, I, I dove right into the deep end again because they had me, like, helping them edit, like, these DVD extras for their ESPN 30 for 30. And then we started shooting, like, pro-era shows at, like, SOBs. And then, um, yeah, Creative Control, we we were working with um, Big Crit, yeah. you know. Um, and then we started working with Echo. We were trying to bring Echo back along with Shipes and Cinematic and creative control we all work together to try to like revive echoes the clothing know? brand yeah mark echoes you know and and like um so we were doing all their content um i got exposed to all the smokers club yeah started shooting smoking and joking episodes so i was getting experience in everything for well, which do you prefer smoking or joking uh, <laughs> the two go hand in hand it's really a dance between the smoke and the joke we're dancers we are dancers yeah it's all just a big dance. But yeah, I was getting exposure to behind the scenes stuff, live show footage, music videos, comedy sketches, um, I um, promotional stuff for Echo. So I was I was really blessed to be able to like learn ev from every area, um, working with all those guys and with um, tremendous talents, you know, um, and then just Kudi and Chike were the chillest mentors like they just led by example they weren't micromanaging in any way they liked they really encouraged me and like um helped me grow so much man i, I always credit kudi and chike as like my as being my original mentors and you know one of the most positive influences in my whole career were you destined to become a director or did you think maybe you'll be an editor did you think maybe you'll be a cinematographer or just a shooter or you know what's wild, bro? Like, I, I consider myself a director, but I'm still not sure what my ultimate role is going to be. I've been doing everything for so long that, like, I, I'm, I, and I feel, like, proficient in most things to the point where I'm just, like, open to what, where I'm needed most. Like, with my current role, I just, like, I'm, like, they, I just got called the utility guy the other day because I just, 
I get Play it. A lot of positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like a shortstop. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, he's well. A lot of things. I was more of a hot corner guy. If we're gonna <laughs> talk about the, you know, the leather and the and, and the dirt. <laughs> Is that a thing? Is that yeah. a, it's like, it's not People like are always skin. trying to talk about leather and dirt. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm talking, yeah, you know, America's pastime, man. But, um. So, so when you. <laughs> I love you guys. Feels like we've been smoking and joking. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Okay. So, wait, okay. How do we get from working with creative control to hot new hip hop? Man, it, what a wild trajectory. Um, Throughout the whole thing. Um, ever since Iron Solomon, all the way till now, there's been a constant, and his name is the Bald God. Yes, I stress the 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 <laughs> Bald God because this man has been. You want to talk about? That's not even like a mentor. That's that's like my brother in this shit, yes. man. And um, so when I I met him through working with Iron Solomon because he was Al Lindstrom's guy, and um, we and throughout the whole creative control era, and cinematic smoke all that stuff i was still freelancing with al lindstrom and alex doing their interviews still doing it all still doing shea 45 as well which alex had a lot to do with so then alex and i got offered um a gig at hot new hip-hop to go over there and start their new york office so when they first came to new york from montreal um we were the guys so he was the digital marketing guy and the artist relations guy and i was like um the the visual director of visual production that was my my title and um so how i got it was through alex and and benner and um shout out benzino <laughs> and um Benner, who people might know from Duce Palooza, mm-hmm. formerly H. Hen- oh, do we even say the word? No, no, yeah, no, 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 there, no. There was another liquor brand, but they weren't on board. So shout to Duce yeah. Palooza. Are they re- relevant still? I've never who? thought about exactly. it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I don't even know. If you want to really <laughs> shit on a brand like that? I don't yeah. Fuck you guys. <laughs> no, but um, yeah. So anyway, so Benner and Alex like helped me get um, because I was you know things were starting to fade out with the whole Echo <laughs> revival. To be honest with you, didn't mm-hmm. really pan out like. It's still a type of thing where if you wear an echo right now, it's like you might get shit on, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, um, we weren't able to bring it back. So <laughs> it was fading out, like the relationship with um with Shipes and them were waning. Creative control had already jumped ship from that whole situation. So I um I was open to the idea of taking on a full time position working in hip hop for our website and I spent a good almost two years working with Hot New Hip Hop, you know, as director of visual production, bringing up artists, interviewing them, shooting music videos again um, for Hot New Hip Hop, like H&HH original music videos, um, continued to grow as a, as a videographer, photographer, um, got to meet a lot of people, helped them build a studio, helped them build a clothing brand. Um, it was, that was a wild time well, too. what artists are coming through? Man, everybody came through, like it was, we, they, because they came to New York and because they had the, the site with like the number two traffic at that time, they were, you know, I'm talking about impressions on impressions, mm. you know, PR people were dying to come Fiending. through. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what's like a good story of somebody who came through and you were just like, whoa, yo, T.I. came up, um, the game, Rich the Kid came up a million times. <laughs> um, and I shot like videos with him. I don't even know why I'm blanking right now, but the hot new hip hop era was a wild one. How it, about this? Ether boy, Woo. did Ron Browse come th- up? You better believe he came up. Not only did he come up, 
But as we touched on in the Ball God episode <laughs> of It's a Waste of Time with It's Surreal, he came up with the whistle guy. <laughs> NBA official whistle in tow. It was a moment. Right. Yeah, so let's do some cross-branding between. Go check out the Bald God episode. Yes, please. Yeah, Yo. I think we're going to drop in the audio let's do here, it right, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. To start the job at High New Hip Hop, you got to go to Montreal because you got to meet the Montreal team for some reason. So You know, to he, figure out who you're working with. <laughs> yeah. But he made us drive to Montreal. He didn't fly us out. He was just like, Yo, rent a car, drive up, six-hour drive. This is you and the Fleisch? Me and the Fleisch. What are you <laughs> listening to in the car? A lot of shit. At that point, we were just listening to whatever was done. And, like, we were having fun. Like, it was a great drive. I would not let Justin drive because he drives so fucking slow. It's ridiculous. And I still won't let him drive. Like, it's so annoying how slow he drives. Um, But on the way, I'm like, how do we make a splash? I'm like, we got to bring New York back. And I remember, and my thing about Atlanta was, was no matter what the street culture was, like, no matter what the culture of the music was, dancing was always a part of it so like future like would make beef it up music like you go to the club and like any future record would hit tony montana with everybody would beef it up and i was like yo you know what that's what we need to do in new york we need to bring back dance culture have fun again everybody's too many of these bars like we just need records how do we do this and i'm in montreal and i'm like we're gonna bring back ron brown I knew because he has so many hits. He got five hits. I've counted them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I'm messaging everybody, and then um, Juliet, who works with Just Blaze, put me in touch with him. <laughs> and the week we get back, I'm like, "Yo, we gotta set up an artist meeting." So Ron Browse comes up. He's got his hype man with him, <laughs> and Ron Browse starts playing all these records. He had like twelve records in the stash, brand new, brand new. Yeah, and he was like. Give, like he basically just explained that like you know this was his comeback and like it was time to bring back this type of music and I'm hyped up because I'm like <laughs> yeah Ron Browns that's what I'm talking about you guys are on the same page exactly yeah and fucking so he starts playing <laughs> he starts playing these records and like the hype man is just dancing in the corner M- mind you like there's we're in construction. Like, there's, like, the plastic down to make walls. The tables are all fold-out tables. It's me. It's Sorrow. It's, like, Rose, who runs High New Hip Hop now, and Justin. And we're all sitting there. He's playing records on, like, this fucking boombox that we bought from Best Buy just to have this moment. And, like, he's playing records and, like, just, like, yeah. That's my jam. And then he goes, his hype man goes, you see, every record, what we do is we make a dance with it. So this is what we're doing. And then he's like, wipe your face. And like it's like a 10-step dance. So he's doing this whole dance. And I'm like, all right, this is this is interesting. You're like, I see it. And Justin's yeah. having, and so I'm talking to Ron Browse, and Justin's having this side conversation. And I guess like at one point, the guy goes to Justin. He's like, yo, you know what sets me apart from every other hype man in the world? <laughs> And he's like, what? He's like, all these hype men have whistles. But I got an official NBA referee whistle. But I forgot it in the car. So I'm just going to do the parts. And then he just starts going, hoo-hoo, all the Raptors songs. And we're just sitting there like, all right, this is the greatest thing I've ever dealt with in my life. 
And it was like the greatest moment I've ever had in, in, in music industry history. I've invited Ron Browse to my birthday every year since. How and many he, has he responded to? Zero. <laughs> yeah. And just flat ignores me. And it's really sad because like I like I'm not trying to make a joke of it. Ron Browse to me would be my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. No, so many people, so many personalities, um, so many different types of artists, you know, um, Kehlani, mm. Tinashe, mm. um, Groups Prime, um, Bumby, of course. Wait, did Bumby? Yeah, yeah, we we interviewed Bumby. Um, yeah, man, so many people. And, and I ended up, like, not only shooting them, but also I was the one doing the interviews a lot of the time. So I, I developed my, like, interview um, skill set. Yes. Oh, actually, you interviewed the woman who went at ISIS. I did interview the Brooklyn lady. Yeah. That was with my main man, Toon. So Toon and I were doing Word on the Street. It was a weekly segment where we'd hit Union Square hard and just like <laughs> interview everybody and anybody about the hot topics facing hip-hop in America today. And one day we were out there talking about like Jay-Z's title service that he was launching at the time and this woman came up and just grabbed the mic and started to go off and history was made on that day in that moment tune was conducting the interview and he just took her to a place <laughs> or actually i think she was already like on that yeah track. she she was she focused was, yeah <laughs> she just went off um like can we cut to the audio here women is about to run the world just know that hillary is about to become president and we running the world all y'all republican ass niggas if y'all want money just say y'all fucking want money this world is about money money revolving around money y'all niggas is killing us and you fucking iraq niggas y'all isis niggas fuck y'all isis niggas we from new york Fuck ISIS. What is Come the ISIS? I don't even know what the, the ISIS. ISIS. The ISIS is the niggas that's killing that man, our people and killing them. The ISIS is ISIS. the niggas. Fuck you, no. The ISIS, the ISIS is the niggas. Us black people, we live. Fuck ISIS. Because I'm a fucking citizen. I work. I'm a fucking loyal citizen. ISIS, if you come to New York City and you try to blow anything up, Barack Obama is coming for you. I'm from Brooklyn. I read Brooklyn all day. They killed Biggie. What do you do? You just let the, the video run? Listen, you know what's so funny you ask me that because throughout my career, I pretty much just let the video run and let the action happen. Um, I try to be as little involved as possible. Just Fly on the wall. Flesh on the wall. Flesh on the wall. Mr. F. Shout yeah. out, shout out, Rhetoric. Director he, he F. Help me kill. Director me. F. Oh wow. <laughs> nah, but honestly, man, like I've tried to be. I just I want to catch true, authentic moments. I don't want to create documentary them. style. Yeah, mm -hmm. real talk. Yeah, mm -hmm. anthropologically. Yeah, <laughs> ethnographically, I try to you know put my like um at least amount of my influence as possible and really get the raw, real, real. All right. Well, hold up. I just I I want to play devil's advocate here. Mm -hmm. You can play any documentary filmmaker can play a fly on the wall, but at the end of the day, you're still editing it. So you Facts. still have the hand of God there. Mm. Aren't you still in control? Yeah, Aren't absolutely. you the wall and the fly? You decide the narrative. A truly objective portrayal is in fact impossible. Right. And by the way, if you if if you were to make that argument on the other side, you could just be like, well, all right. Yeah, you frame it. Right. So you're still, you know, deciding what it looks like. Exactly. In the first place. That being said, I do my best to get as close to that as possible. Yeah. And that's really my approach. Um, I, I sincerely, like, with logic, with everybody, I'm always 
really trying to just let it happen. Now, you want to talk about editing, it, that's going to give you a lot more work. Because when you're just constantly rolling, you're going to have to eventually go back through all that and find those moments, you know, when, you know, hours on hours on hours. When I did the Everybody documentary for Logic, I had to get two months worth of footage down to 47 minutes. So when I tell you I had terabytes on terabytes, man, like it was it was work, but it's worth it because I feel like it just gives you the, the most intimate, like authentic. Um, well, what was left out on the floor? Like countless hours of just like, let's do it again. <laughs> let's do it again. Like one more time. That's the most funny thing to me with you artists. Let's, if any artists listening, like when you're talking to the engineer while recording, is there a reason why you choose to say one more time? Well, when you same? really me mean to say 17,000 more times? <laughs> Can we punch that in? Right. Isn't that the same thing as like how um, there's a there's a real mental hurdle that you get over from, from like twenty dollars to nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents? Like right. It's a, it's a it's a cent difference, but it's like a major right. major deal. selling point. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. yeah, one more time. Well, I think I think when you're in the booth, it's the idea of like, well, this next one, this is I'm the gonna one. nail. Yeah, this I, is the one. I just need one more. The only moment I've ever created in any of these documentaries is I tell the engineer, I'm like, bro, let's just get one take of you saying, that was the take. <laughs> <laughs> like that's I was my main man, Bobby Campbell, Logic's engineer. We have a montage like <laughs> building up of that's the one, and um, can't wait to put that out. YouTube. Have you ever put a montage of one more time? Uh, nobody wants to see that, man. That would be, <laughs> oh. like, be like Donald Trump saying, Jaina. Oh. <laughs> it just be constant. On Napster, back yeah. in the day, back in my heyday of downloading mm. songs on Napster, yeah. I downloaded a version of Eminem's Cleaning Out My Closet. Right. Which uh, they looped. It was like, you know, the labels would come in, they would put a garbage links, and there was a version of that that was just the chorus, and then it would be... One, one more time. time. Oh, and no. And then it was that for like four minutes, and it was so good. It's hilarious. It, if anybody could do that for me now, I would really appreciate it. I love that song. Yo, Napster. See, I was I was really a LimeWire guy, mm -hmm. and the mm. stuff you do end up with when you were going <laughs> for something else sometimes was magical like that. That's pretty that's What pretty is crazy. the weirdest service that you use to download uh, music at, in, in your life? Mm, I mean, the weirdest service. Were you a Kazaa man? I was, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was. I was on Kazaa. I was, I was on Aries. I was so loyal and faithful to LimeWire. That was my go-to. Um, I was on Nutella. I got kicked out of the AOL offices for using LimeWire. Wow. Damn. Yeah. But like, when you really need a song, you get it from you get it from where you could get it from. Right. What mm -hmm. was? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, what a weird era that was. You <laughs> yeah. know. And now I'm signed up to about 18 different subscription services. So thanks for Shout that. Shout out to Legal yeah. Music. Yeah. So. When you finished your reign over at Hot New Hip Hop, <laughs> did you have any idea where you were going to go next? Eric, you yes. want to hear the story? Uh, please. <laughs> Jeff, you want, Jeff, you can hear it too. <laughs> <laughs> but, yo, it's so funny you asked that. I was At that point, I was ready to go. But I got, I'm going to come clean since we're all being honest with each other. I got let go. Mm -hmm. um, there was a downsizing. A couple of us, unfortunately, we got let go. It was January 1st. Um, two years ago, so that's the wrong way to set the tone. Yeah, and, and it was like top of the year. I got let go. Yo, I do not know why, but I just like broke into a smile. I was like relieved in a way. Um, I was ready at that point, and and it's no shots at Hot Hip Hop. I was just ready to do something new else. challenge. So what? So at that time, so the, from the minute I got fired, I had about twenty four hours to 
before my email address got deactivated. And they told me like, if you need to send out an email to your contacts, do that, we're gonna deactivate. So I didn't do this like sneakily or anything, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna do that. So I went and I sent an email to about 450 contacts that I had made while at Hot New Hip Hop from my Hot New Hip Hop address. And I was just like, I'm moving on. It's time, like, um, if anybody needs anything, let me know. This is gonna be my new email address. Within five minutes, and this is very typical of him, my main man, H. Rem, Harry Remler, hit me back with the, do you want to go on tour with Logic? Bro. What did you say? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the month, January 28th of that month, and I'm not good with dates, but I remember this. Mm-hmm. I was in like Burbank, California at rehearsals filming for the incredible true story tour and i was like i'm gonna be okay you know what i mean like i had a lot of contacts and relationships but freelancing in new york was sounding going back into that whole game i was right. like, confident i could have done it but i was like all right this is gonna be a grind might have to get back on the groundwork circuit too doing events production yeah and, you know what i mean but i was like ready to do all that because i was kind of like like i said really ready to move on from yeah H. what'd you know about logic at that point I was a fan because we had had him up at the website. So we had had him up twice and we had done like three different interview type things. One of which was like a mini documentary at like his Santos show. I think you guys were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, So we were invited to go to that show. Um, The bald guy hit us up and was like, hey, do you want to interview Logic? And this is at a time when we were not doing interviews. So no. (laughs) Right. Right. But shouts to the ball guy for thinking of us. Yeah. yeah, and like, so I go to this Santos van and shoot this little mini documentary. I had done a couple of interviews. This is before Under Pressure dropped that I was doing all of this. Under Pressure was his first studio album. And I, I got to know the kid a little bit. I, I brought him, we, we had him up at Static. Selected, I was filming his freestyle up there. And um, I was like, damn, this kid's like really genuine, really cool. And I, I was messing with the music. I really did like it. Um, and I... um. I stayed in touch with him. I was like hitting him up a little bit and I was like happy birthday or whatever when I saw it was his birthday and then um So not when it was not his birthday. No, I wouldn't do that on those off days. <laughs> just those happy birthday sixty four. <laughs> just to see the balloons rise in the iPhone. <laughs> I don't think they did at that time. Yeah. We're talking like twenty we're talking about ages ago. Like twenty fifteen <laughs> or something. You could have sent like a JPEG. Yeah. <laughs> Screenshot. If I, yeah. And then I was also staying in touch with Harry Remler at that time. So like we it what this wasn't this didn't come out of nowhere. Like I well, was for good people who don't camp. know what does Harry Remler do? Okay, Harry Remler is one of Logic's managers. He mm-hmm. he he helps run Visionary Music Group. He's one of the hardest working, dedicated individuals I know. Also a mensch. Great dude, like solid individual and um So he calls you out to Burbank and what do you expect? Nothing. I was just like the road sounds exciting. This sounds exactly like what I need. Um, it's just like Puerto Rico with NEMS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I had a weird feeling to be a little different than that. But, like, yeah, um, I was just like, I, I'd, I'd seen all these people touring. And I've been in this office for two years at that time. I was in the hot new hip-hop office, like, behind a desk, like, occasionally getting to go to Union Square. So, like, and then we traveled to, we went to South by Southwest and, like, went to New Orleans for Currency Mini Doc and... We did a couple of things with Hot Pop, but I was mostly just like doing the nine to five office thing. So the idea of going on tour was like really exciting. And then also with him, because I, like I said, I believed in him. I liked him and I liked his music. So it's like, yeah, I will go on tour with Logic. I show up to Burbank and just hit the ground running, man. Just filming everything, shooting photos, getting to know the squad. I was already like kind of cool with his producer, Six, um, Ryder Rick, his DJ. And like, it, it was a really seamless 
transition um and it felt really natural but but let me tell you man this is a rare group like in all my experience working in hip-hop i've never encountered um a team and an artist that are so professional so respectful and um and just cool to be around like genuinely good people like it's it's refreshing and rare and i just feel incredibly blessed to have started that and and to still be doing it that's awesome so when you show up there do you have a million cards to record on do you have one camera two cameras a backpack on your back shorts comfortable shoes what is it when i got on the phone with the tour manager john momberg shout out mom the first thing he told me he might have even he might have skipped hello he was like (laughs) bring a lot of socks and there is no shitting on the bus (laughs) so other than that yeah (laughs) but then when it came to my equipment i was pretty well equipped just based off working you know working on high new hip-hop and um just knowing kind of like what what i would need um but with yeah there wasn't there wasn't any like crazy culture shock on the road um besides the sleeping situation because yeah it's this weird like um chamber of like the the coffins yeah Yeah, exactly what boundaries are there in terms of filming like do people want a camera in their face all the time or not? Man, that's a really great question because when we were first starting off, you really got to gauge that carefully. You know, you don't want to always be up in the mix, but you don't want to look like you're not doing enough. You don't, you know, you want to get as much as you can. Um, with Logic, he was really into behind the scenes at the time. He had like this, um, these webisodes called Just Another Day, and I launched into filming those and just. I had watched um, a few of the previous ones for like reference and I just had an idea that was mostly just like a smoking and joking without the smoking, mm-hmm. you know, so it was a lot like, of joking Yeah, at that time. By the way, he smokes weed now. Right. Didn't mm-hmm. know if you know that. Right. Yeah. But um, at that time, we were just like, yeah, it was just like playing pranks on each other, catching the live show footage catching everything was going on behind the scenes and um a lot of rubik's cubes yeah yo yeah no the cubes were getting solved on stage <laughs> mid-song what's the fastest antics. you've seen him solve a rubik's cube close like definitely in the 40 se- for between 40 and 50 seconds wow i've seen that have you tried it i'm trash <laughs> i'm hot trash bro can't do it it's not the way my brain works where are some of the places that you visited uh with logic the world and everything in it man like it's the craziest trip I took with Logic was to Hawaii and Japan. Yeah, we did. Um, we were recording out there, and um, this was after this was in between tours, and we went all the way out to um, Maui and then to Tokyo. Filmed a video. It's called Overnight. It's um, it was all about that journey, and um, Japan is where you went to an owl cafe. Oh my. God, dude, we have to talk about it. I'm already sweating. Check the temp. Let's talk about it. In Tokyo, Japan, there are owl cafes. Be aware. Health code might be different. Um, regulations on animals might owl, be different. The, you the, walk in. The bird. Not yeah. just the bird. The predator. Bird of prey. Bird of prey. The owl. Possibly the most dangerous um, flying creature on earth. Let's talk about it. Any contention on that? Most dangerous bird on earth? Yeah. Name a more dangerous bird. An owl can kill you with its mere talents in one fell swoop. Who else can do that? And who's really going to do that? There have been documented cases of this happening. I've watched murder mysteries where they thought somebody got murdered, but it was really just an owl that randomly swept down. Alex thinks that a human could beat up an owl. 
owls are gonna demolish us one day i'm scared of them you know when when people went crazy over the dj clark kent stuff saying like this is what pushes should use in his diss mm. yeah i feel like drake should use this part for his diss wow. against the, the, yeah against push it like the owls are the most dangerous most predatory oh, most amazing yeah. the ovo connection yeah first of all let me preface all this by saying like i'm not scared of ovo as an organization <laughs> i'm actually scared of the actual bird of prey <laughs> yeah. the owl um and yeah push it like you know good luck with everything and, and drake but how this do you separate. mistake a person killing a person for an owl killing a it person. was a fascinating episode um but they found out it was the owl because there were like owl hairs like deep in the skull from from the talon going yeah. all the way in that's how they ultimately um solved the case Finding the hairs. It wasn't like <laughs> a, a fellow owl turned in another owl, like on some snitch shit. Wow. Oh, maybe he got planted there. Wow. Mm. It was deep in the skull, though. But listen, man, the owl cafe in Tokyo, I banged on the table because <laughs> I need to tell you that You're this Hispanic. place is terrifying. The, the walls are lined with owls. I walk in, I have a man bun, and they thought it was a nest. One of them jumped on my shoulder. Shwai has, you know, Shwai. Yeah, shout, shout out to Shwai. One of them, like, jumped on my shoulder and started like attacking my bun i'm already i have a predisposition a fear of owls. i tried to confront it that day and it, it backfired you on went me. in there on purpose yeah because i because that's the way i feel like you need to confront yeah it's fears. like immersion therapy right Pre <laughs> precisely mm -hmm. precisely what it was see the owl eye to eye it yeah. backfired on me <laughs> terribly it was well, what kind of owls was it it was like every kind of owl barn <laughs> owls little hootie the mean owls. ones the, did i just say hootie owls yeah, you did <laughs> yeah you know the scientific term for the hoodie owls. Well, hoodie I, owls. I just assumed that the guy in Hootie and the Blowfish was an <laughs> yeah, owl. Damn, no, nah, but dude, when I tell you that this place, we gotta we gotta pull up the footage. We can't do that on an audio podcast. But no, it's it's a scary place. They also serve like beverages. I don't understand how that's gonna mix in. It's You're gonna sip your tea you can, while the you can smell the bacteria in there. Birds <laughs> do carry they feed the owls like mice and stuff. I don't want to know, man. But they seemed hungry. <laughs> <laughs> And and ang and ornery, yeah. and ornery. <laughs> did you grow up? Because you grew up in New Hampshire. There were you owls. Yeah, there were owls. But I also grew up watching like movies where like owls were like the symbol of death. Like when you saw oh, an like owl, Harry it was, like, Potter. A, I don't know if it's, yeah. It, also like Native American traditions. I'd read books about and seen movies where like if you see an owl, that's like an omen that a death is impending. Really? Yeah. No, so, that's a crow. You sure, bro? I'm yes. almost positive the owl. Maybe somebody can. You put something in the comments. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. Commenters are big ornithologists. <laughs> are you, you don't mess with the way that the owls like turn their head. It's everything about an owl to me is scary. I'm gonna come clean. Yeah. I got no shame in telling you. Well, so I love owls. Wait, so. how long did you last in that? I owl think cafe? I love them too, but it's a it's a love and a fear mm. at the same time. How long did you last in that owl cafe? You pay like a certain amount of yen for. Half an hour, it, like an internet cafe. We, you yeah. got a certain period of time. Yes, and we got our money's worth. We were there for, <laughs> for the full half hour, despite the attack midway through. Oh my mm -hmm. god! Of my man, bun. but you enjoyed Japan otherwise. What a place! Yeah, uh, what an incredibly different and beautiful place with a whole other approach to everything, and um, it was surreal and um, life changing and. I got to also witness some of the best music I've ever heard being created by incredible artists. I can't talk about it. It's mm -hmm. not out yet, but dog, what a, what a trip. And then we made a really cool video where we like 
filming with Logic in the streets of Tokyo and definitely check out Overnight if you if you get a chance. Yeah, how long have you been with Logic? Over two years now, coming up on two and a half years. And that's um, how many tours? Uh, four, and by the time this comes out, probably five. Right. Yeah. Five tours, you've gone all over the world, definitely all over this country. Yeah, man. Um, best experience on the, the U.S. tours? The best experience. Niagara Falls, Canada on the Endless Summer Tour. Or was it the Everybody Tour? Niagara Falls, Canada, on the, either the Everybody Tour or the <laughs> Endless Summer Tour, was the greatest night of my life. What happened? Can I slam the table? Slam the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like being told about rules. <laughs> it makes me want to break them. Nah, I'm playing. But yeah, it was such a great night. Basically, um, we had like a couple of days off in Niagara Falls, and it, my homie Ricky had like. He was getting married like the next day, so we like turned it into like I'm a bachelor party night. We went to like we went to a churra- we did paintballing just to jump off the day. Then we <laughs> went to a churrasqueria and had like Brazilian steakhouse experience. And then we went to the casino and came up a little bit. Then some wild stuff happened, and then we went back to the casino and came up crazy. But it was Canadian, so not so crazy. <laughs> Exchange rate wasn't to our favor. And then we watched the sunrise over the falls. Wow. But so much happened. It's the type of thing like I could tell you about it, but there's no way you could really understand it unless you experienced it. But just that whole, that was like the climax of like just being with like great people, doing a job you love in a beautiful place with all these like, all these like kind of other elements working their way in and a lot of alcohol too, obviously. But like, uh, or not obviously, but yeah, for me, like it got turned up and it was just an incredible night. That was like one of the best experiences I've ever had on tour and in life. That's dope. Um, so I just looked up Logic on Wikipedia and his name. He's got a page on there? Sure does. <laughs> wow. His name is Sir Robert. Sir Robert Bryson Hall the second. So I want to say. Was he was born Sir Robert? Yeah. That's his name. That's, Did you know that? I, yeah, I think they mentioned that in the uh, the Netflix Rapture documentary. Yeah, Why? so Robert Bryson Hall. Yeah, that's the guy. All right. But S-R-B-H. you refer to him as? I call him Bob. Is Bob that how he introduced himself to you? Yeah, I want to say that's, that's kind of how he introduces himself to people. And it's pretty funny, too. It's like sometimes he'll introduce himself to people that just know him already, like know exactly who he is. And be like, hi, I'm Bob. And they'll just be like, ooh! <laughs> it's pretty wild. Um, but also, you know what's funny is Drake what? calls him Lodge. Lodge? I yeah. think I would call him Lodge. There was this like uh, Instagram Live thing where Drake's on there. It was the same Instagram Live where he's like, Academics dip from my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like a few moments earlier, he had been like, "What's up, Lodge?" <laughs> Lodge. Yeah. L O D G E. Yeah. Lodge. Like, what does he call you? J Fly. J Fly. Yeah. He'll call me J- or Justin. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Also, there were he gave me a couple more nicknames. Like for a while, he was calling me um the Geico Caveman. <laughs> um, right. And then also he called me Jesus for a while. Mm-hmm. Um and. They tried to call me mayonnaise because they left like a whole tub of mayonnaise in my bunk it just area. Didn't, just didn't take though. It didn't really no. catch. That feels like one of those George Bush nicknames where it's like, hey, like 
you know, tall guy. Your name is Tall Lee. <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah. And then plus, Greg Mayo would have been irate. <laughs> yeah. Greg Mayo would have been that's irate. His, that's his, uh, his God-given name. That's it his is. thing. Yeah. yeah. Sir Greg Mayo. Yeah. yeah, man. Yo, is it? Can I come clean? Like, I was brainstorming my AKAs, like, early in the day yesterday. Yesterday? <laughs> yeah. Did you go over them with the ball guy? Yeah. We might have gone over quite a few things. We tried to do, like, IG Live last night to kind of, like, break the ice. Because, yo, to be honest with you, something we got to talk about. I'm not used to really, like, being... Interviewed, right. Interviewed or... You do the interviewing. Precisely. Yeah. I'm on the other side of things. And it's cool. Like, I... I just mess with you guys and the way you guys got the best podcast in the game. Thank you. Hands down. I'm a fan, been a fan. So this is, again, surreal for me to be here. I really appreciate well, it. Well, thank you. Sincerely. Yeah. So um, when Logic put out Everybody, yeah. you did a documentary yes, on I the did. making of Everybody. Yes. and Along found, with Mike Holland. And you, found, you guys collectively found yourselves on stage presenting it. Yo. How was that? Yo, first of all, let me just lead up to this because Logic hit me up during the endless summer tour. And he's like, yo, I want to make a documentary about the making of my next album. I was like, I'm in. Let's do it. He then proceeded to invite me to live with him for two months at the end of that year. Are you a good roommate? Man, I try to be. I try to be. I know I snore. <laughs> I, I You do the dishes? I Yeah, I, I've been known to do dishes. I also kind of became like the guest house dad also like i cooked does the does the shopped. rule of of no shitting still apply here well yeah i mean <laughs> lots of socks no man's got a yeah. shit man's got a shit yeah Wait, just you do, do the it shit in the socks Is that wow what <laughs> wow <laughs> gotta yo. go to the econo lodge yo but yeah lodge. so so i'm mm. cooking for lodge so get off dip for my life um no but sincerely um i became like the dad of that it was such an experience i was immersed he had the studio in the basement we documented the building of the studio. Then he recorded the whole project. We were there for every minute of it till the wee hours of the morning. It lost concept of day and night. Finally, we put the thing together after months of editing. Put it out with the release of the album on iTunes Deluxe version. And um, it came out as on iTunes as a documentary. 47 minutes. It had never been done before. Something that long. That's what they told me. It came out. And we then did a screening of it at the Wiltern in L.A. with Logic there. And it was like Caesar in Rome. Like he was <laughs> on the balcony. I think you saw it in the documentary. Yeah. And he's like, he comes in and I've seen him at concerts. The crowd goes wild, but never like this. This is like a smaller venue, smaller cap. But like that room was on fire that day. And then we go on stage after the screening and they do like a question and answer right about um it was supposed to be about the documentary but just turned into a question and answer for him about him and i love that and i didn't really have much to say. like i i'm not the public speaking type man despite the fact we've been talking for over an hour like <laughs> i'm not this is not what i do so we did um another screening but it was for friends and family and that was in in la um we didn't end up doing one in new york i think we were supposed to i mm -hmm. think we, there was a plan to but it never it never panned out um but maybe on the next one because we are Maybe possibly working on another one. I don't know. What did I think you do know? So I don't know. What did back to owls? <laughs> Let's talk more about owls. What did that documentary do in terms of your artistry? That documentary helped me figure out how to make a full length document, like like a long form content. Did that and scare you? It's very intimidating, man. Because 
That was my first time shooting with um, Sony, with the Sony A7S II. That was my first time doing something that long. And that was there was a lot of pressure to make it really crazy because we knew we were trying to package it with the album on the deluxe version. Um, man, I learned so much about workflow. Um, I learned about patience. I learned about um, discipline. Um, chipping away at something instead of trying to get it all done in one night. There was no possible way. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so like, it's just like the concept of like breaking up a job because in New York, it was always like do every single phase of the process yourself and do it all in 24 hours or you're gonna die. Like, you're <laughs> yeah. not gonna make it. Like, you gotta bang these out. You gotta bang out these Al instrument interviews. You gotta bang out these freestyles. You gotta go bang them. But they're smoking and joking episode. You, you know, that was the mind state I had. So, like, with this documentary, I, this was the one focus, and I had to spread out, like, the effort over months. And, yeah, I'm just excited to work on another one. How to, many different to utilize cuts, what I learned. How many different cuts did you go through? Man, there was a whole separate time that I stayed with Logic at his house working on the edit for weeks. And then we started, and then we sprinkled in, like, we had to add, like, the orchestra scene where, like, we filmed in the Warner Brothers um, lot, like with a live live strings and stuff so like and then but like so we just add the sort of added pieces as they um happened as well but the editing itself took months man mm -hmm. like two months of solid editing one month of which was just going through everything and finding what was even usable getting it down to like a two and a half hour cut and then getting that down to an hour cut and then getting I actually got it down to a 20-minute cut, and then we started adding things. What moments did you find in going through all the footage that you were like, oh, I didn't realize we had this gem in there? Man. Yeah, you know what's wild is, like, a lot of the things that um, I kind of, like, put as extras and, like, didn't include in my original cut, Logic found to be really important, and we added them back in and then those were some of the moments that got them the craziest responses you know um and actually this is wild because like in the netflix documentary when you see his dad talking and, and he breaks down in tears i didn't include that that was my shot but yeah. i didn't include that in the documentary and in hindsight kind of wish i had but like generally i'm pretty good at finding like really good moments um but i was surprised in general just by like how like sometimes it's just like the simplest most like basic statements can be like the most impactful um and just like there's a song called anxiety anxiety um it's spelled like a-n-z-i-e-t-y on the album and um when they when six and logic like figured out the melody for that and like six played him the beat and he started singing on top of it that was one of the most genuine authentic like moments of like um discovery and like creativity i've ever witnessed and it resulted in one of my favorite songs from that album um yeah did you meet neil degrasse whoa, whoa oh my god faux pas i think it's another meter run i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's another meter run i'm gonna park to slightly closer this time while the flesh goes back downstairs to put more money in the meter because this is one hell of a podcast we can't stop it now we want to tell you guys about our book called Rhyme Book, 
available at Amazon.com right now. Yes, so this is a lined notebook that you can use for whatever purpose, but it also has a bunch of hip-hop facts in it. Mm -hmm. It also has a bunch of quotes from our podcast. Yes. And it also has fun games and miscellaneous... Graphs and charts. (laughs) Time wasters. Because, like, well, yeah, time wasters. This is a waste of time with its the real. That is is an actual time waste. Yes. I had to count out all 21 Savages... Had to. Ad-libs. Had to. The... The good Lord made me do it. Mm-hmm. All of his ad libs from his first 21 songs, including what makes ya different from a uh, and different from a and different from a, all these different ad libs, I counted them out, I cataloged it. It's it, amazing. Every single time he says 21, <laughs> I counted it out, and it was like thousands and thousands of times. It's amazing. It is a line notebook that you guys can write your grocery lists, your rhymes, your hooks, your verses, or honestly, your dreams. You want to go put something into the air like Bobby Trends or Lil Wayne do? Write something down in that notebook and make it a reality. And this is the perfect book. We were part of the design of this. We were part of the editorial on this. We named the damn thing. Rhyme book. You were slave to a page in my rhyme book. Shout out to everybody who has them on pre-order right now. And for anybody who has not gotten it yet, they're so cheap. They're like $14. It's so high quality. And it's something that if you support It's The Real, you will go pre-order rhyme book on Amazon.com right now. Yes, but Eric, why do they have a camouflage cover? Because... We rep the Camouflage City Bird Gang. <laughs> ah, and now... The thrilling conclusion to our podcast with the Fleisch. Did you get to meet Neil deGrasse Tyson? No. But I'm really cool with his nephew. How? Steve Tyson. All right. <laughs> Mr. Intellect. I think it's the intellect is his like he's a rapper. Really? I think that's how Logic met Neil deGrasse Tyson too. His nephew's like a fan of Logic. They got in I'm I'm not sure if this is true, but anyway, so Steve Tyson hooked up the Neil deGrasse Tyson scenario and then um he's he's been around like he's on the album cover mm-hmm. as well um and he's also just like coming out to shows and stuff he's a great kid from Philly and um or he at least lives in Philly I'm not sure where he's from are you a bigger Logic fan or Bobby Tarantino fan whoa wait <laughs> those are two different people um Sir Robert man you know that's a good question man um, I think I might even throw something at you. I like a little bit of a curveball. I'm more of like a Bobby Ballads fan. Wow. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Bobby. Stay tuned. I'm a Bobby Valentino fan. There Ooh. you go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Ooh. There you go. Wait, that's we're talking. Wee, wee, wee. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Slow down. Mm. Yeah. I just want to get to, to know, know ya. Woo. <laughs> but don't turn around. Because a pretty little thing looks good to me. I love that stuff. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> you moved to the West Coast. I did. Um, back um, less than two years ago, I moved out to the Bay mm. um, to to try to be closer to where Logic's based out of in LA, and also to no disrespect, but I was getting too too big for New York. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, yeah. no. Yeah. It's yeah. not yeah. that, man. I love New York, but I was I was drained, man. Mm-hmm. I done my does like we talked about, <laughs> and I was just like drained, man. I was just like. I'm from the country originally, as we also discussed, and like, I need, I love what I love about LA. Is like, there is the open space, there is the nature, there is the the pace, the slower pace, which sometimes I also can't stand. So it's it's like I'm torn. I'm definitely a New Yorker in so many ways. Um, but 
I had to make the move. I had to switch it up. Um, and now I'm actually moving to LA. Like I was, I was, I did almost two years in the Bay. Now I'm gonna go down. To and LA. you got a place in in LA in, in all right. Okay, in the Bassus. Okay, I'm yeah. in the Calabasas. It's but it's you, not what you think. It's, it's just not. you and Drake and Kanye and the Kardashians and Logic. Listen, man, let's Justin Bieber. slow down because slow down. down. Right. I just, just want to get to know you. Don't turn around because a pretty little thing looks, looks good, good to, to me. me. <laughs> she, now, who sings the five, two or fine, two? That's Lloyd. That's Lloyd. It's a whole different thing. Yeah. We also had Guap Dad 4000 from the Bay. Yes. Uh, sing that Lloyd song because because they, they sound, sound alike. alike. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I like that episode a lot. Great episode. Yeah. Also, I told you I was listening to that when I was on the on the BART going by Fruitvale Station right when he was talking about Fruitvale Station. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Flex bomb. <laughs> there's one other person who lives in, I mean, there's a lot of other people who live in Calabasas, but one other person very much of interest to us, French Montana lives in Calabasas. Yeah. Across the street from Logic. And I could hear the monkey <laughs> in the backyard. His name is Julius. Julius. I could hear him. And it gets louder at night. <laughs> like owls are no longer the threat. I'm afraid of a chimpanzee ripping my face off. <laughs> this Julius, they... have you seen him? Nah. You just hear him? Oh, I, this is like Jaws. You know, you just see like... Julius is to well, be who heard, did, not seen. Who was there first, Logic or French? French. Oh, no. Did French, when Logic moved in, bring him over like a jello mold or something? Like nah. a good neighbor? No, nah, I don't know. I don't huh. know if they prospered. Julius? <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't. French is like, yo, yeah. go go bring this to, <laughs> yeah. to that, Lodge. <laughs> yo, my man, if... You, if, if, if uh, a little monkey showed up at your front door with a jello mold. Would you not like lose your mind? I would be like, it would be a good Instagram post. Yeah, no, you'd be like, hold, hold on, wait, 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 I gotta take my phone out. That's wait, a, that's not a, a chimp. Image. No, what's his breed? Uh, who's his breed? <laughs> Is that a thing? A breed of monkey, right? He's a subspecies. Sure. Yeah, he's a um, I don't know. He's because like dogs are breeds. He's like a racus uh, monkey. A racus? That's a thing. I have no idea what you Maybe, guys are talking yeah, about. Yeah, me neither. I'm not well versed in, in uh, the <laughs> specialities of monkey. Right. Julius Caesar is his name. That's kind of a tight name. It's pretty cool. I mess with French. <laughs> if I see it's, him, it's I'm so a... scared. I'm just going to break out into a... <laughs> Wait, when you lived at, at Logic's house, and also, can we call Logic's house the Lodge? Ooh. Ooh. When you were living there... Sure you, can, by the way. You heard the Word monkey. Play. The first time you heard Julius, were you like, what in the world is that? Oh, that was a different house. So, yeah. So, this is a yeah. new scenario. But, like, um, recently I was over there and I heard it. And I was just, like, trying to identify where that sound was coming from. I'm like, I'm moving to this town of Calabasas. Am I going to be hearing these, like, weird, exotic animals all the time? Yes. And then it dawned <laughs> on me. I was across the street from the, That's so good. one of the most famous owners of one of the most famous monkeys. And I do want to say that I had met French Montana at the XXL freshman shoot when he came oh, in. Oh, with the bear. Wearing a bear hood. And I helped to shoot his, like, freestyle, which was really just him talking about God knows what before everyone else actually rapped. I'm with it. I'm with yeah, it. No, I'll listen. Shout out to French. Shout out to Tip the Stylist who made that bear head happen. Yeah. yeah. Classic. But French Montana, that's amazing. I got to find that footage because I also have Macklemore, um, Iggy Azalea, Danny Brown. Like, I, I filmed all these freestyles with all these, like, legends that day. Wow. And um, that was, like, an interesting cover. Yeah, no kidding. That was, like, the one of the first, like, covers where they took a leap on a lot of different things. So now you have a new title. 
over there with Logic and Friends? Yeah, I'm working with the label that Logic started. Um, it's called Elysium. And I'm working with the three artists that he signed um, as their creative director. And yo, I'm really, really like, I cringe every time I say creative director because it's gotten a stigma around sure. it. It's also, you know, my man, Matt Miggs, shout out to Miggs. Shout out to Matt Miggs. He said um, on Twitter the other day, he was like, creative director Twitter must be going wild right now or something. And I just lost it because it's <laughs> so true. It's like everyone in their moms is the creative director. I don't even know if I want to go with that title, but that is my technically my title. But what I do is I am responsible for everything creative that goes on with each artist in terms of if I don't shoot it myself, um, I'm responsible for delegating it or overseeing it just making sure you know it, it it's consistent and it's high of high quality and so I'm, I'm doing photos videos i'm even helping with the musical stuff because i'm i'm really into music too like i don't i i don't like play i i play some actually can play guitar and stuff but like clarinet the, i started on the clarinet good um, research jeff yeah the, the, the good research. i was in a klezma band <laughs> uh we used to play up in the catskills um on occasion oh my god trumpet blah 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 yeah. and then also i um so i'm helping with the music just helping like in any way i can with like getting mixes right whatever man and you know um, how you really help with the music put it on limewire mm. is limewire <laughs> still around hey you want to know what you can make it a thing let's right. find out you make it in logic you put it on limewire yo what if <laughs> what if the three of us and maybe mayo yeah we get into stew and we do a remake of bobby valentino's hit um, don't turn around. For a second, I was gonna be like, "Which hit?" <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's just do it like a, a ode to Valentino album <laughs> for Valentino Day. I do want to clear up something. It's not a chimp, and it's not a racist macaque. Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar, according to the Boombox, AOL's former hip hop site, <laughs> is a. Gibbon or something of that sort. Oh, a Gibbon. Well, maybe. Yeah, or whatever. Well, you're giving <laughs> you're giving me an anxiety because I wish I knew what kind of monkey that was. Yo, the Fleisch, yeah. Justin Fleischer. We're we're so proud of you, man. The journey that you have been on to go from teaching to take that leap of faith and decide to get behind the lens and and try your way with that and work your way up to now you know going from director to creative director it's like it's like a pumpkin seed you know just growing into a, uh, a pumpkin yeah man yo i'll i will be seeing you soon <laughs> yo yeah. congratulations on everything thanks, thanks so much we're shaking you. hands we are shaking hands right we're shaking <laughs> hands around the handshake. table that's right yo. yo thank you guys so much man. no thanks for coming and setting the tone check the temp how'd you like the interview check the temp let us know in the comments. Check the temp. Was it hot? Was it cold? Cold heat? What are we talking about here? <laughs> zone, zone, zone. Respect. Thanks, Blaze. Thank you, guys. Man. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Jeff, if people want to find out more about us, we are It's The Real. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's The Real. And if people want to know any type of pertinent information about the whole brand, where can they... Go!
you can always go to yahoo.com and type in it's the real.com yahoo.com yeah are people not binging anymore are people not binging anymore that is a real Let's quote. run with that yeah <laughs> uh it's the real.com is where you can go to find all things it's the real including our merch which is on sale at it's the real.com slash shop you can also get all of our old podcasts and our new ones over at soundcloud.com slash a waste of time or you can go on itunes and search for a waste of time with it's the real or even just it's the real would make it very easy yeah it's the real is all one word no apostrophes and no spaces i-t-s-t-h-e-r-e-a-l put it all together it's the real you can also go to soundcloud.com slash it's the real to listen to our music please or you can go to any streaming service including spotify apple music google play yeah all of it yeah you know if anybody has not listened to our first album which is just a year old it's called teddy bear, teddy bear fresh. fresh they can go right now and listen to that and i highly suggest it some people have been like you know what i've been sleeping i haven't checked it out yet now is the time to do it and do it before we drop our second album we haven't even told people the title yet, but it's so great. The new music is sounding amazing. Shout out to Koza, who sat right here and listened to some early tracks just the other day. We got more on the way. But go right now and listen to Teddy Bear Fresh anywhere you, where you can find it. Um, I would also say you can find us on the internet. Go to Twitter at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real, Instagram at It's The Real. Hey, we just passed 10,000 followers, so shout out to all you guys over at Instagram. Yes, shout out to every single one of our followers on Instagram. It is very easy to find us. We are the only one that is It's The Real, and we also have a verified check mark. That's us. We, uh, we're very important. Jeff, are you on Reddit yet? Uh, I am about to be back on Reddit. What's we the are, address? It is, well, we're, it's, it's the real. It okay. doesn't really help us to follow us there, but if you look out for our posts, they will be there. Oh, I don't know how it works. Yeah. I'm just counting on you to, to run that whole site. Yeah. You're the Reddit guy. Yeah, I am the Reddit guy. I'm the Yahoo guy. I am Yahoo the, guy. The I Bing. used to be the Bing guy. We no longer Bing. We don't Bing? No. Bing's not in? Bing is not in. R.I.P. Bing. R.I.P. Bing. Jeff, you know this podcast isn't going anywhere, not even on Reddit, unless you guys out there spread the word, and we like to shout you guys out. When you do spread the word, we like to shout you out. When you don't spread the word, it's more shouting at you, I guess, when you're not spreading the word. Jeff, who do you want to shout at? I want to shout at a couple of people in LA who bought shirts. Hey! Actually, no, I want to shout out three people in LA who bought shirts. Let's go. I want to shout out our good friend Jeff. Yes. Curated gent there you on, go. Uh, on Instagram. I want to shout out Josh Gonzalez, hey. who is a huge purveyor of, uh, of Spikeball. <laughs> and I also want to shout out Black Trey, who was spotted wearing his t-shirt spotted. on a bike down by the Santa Monica Pier or something. Shout out to all of those guys, all truly great humans. Jeff, I want to shout out another human also from Los Angeles, California, our guy, Matt Miggs. Now, Matt Miggs, Jeff, got some new business cards, and he thought that I was making fun of him about those business cards. I didn't even know he had new business cards. Which is the most fun you can make of somebody when you say you don't even know about what they're talking about. I, I had no idea, but shout out to Matt Miggs. I want one of his business cards. I want to know, is he is he actually listed as Matt Miggs on the business card? I bet he's listed as like Mr. Migliarelli. Mr. Migliarelli. Well, yeah. shout out to Mr. Migliarelli. Shout out to everyone of his co-workers and everyone who gets one of those cards. I just want to know that he is spreading the word about a waste of time with it's the real. He should write it on the back mm-hmm. when he passes out those cards or else we will. Yeah. Shout out to Matt Miggs. Shout out to everybody who's listening. We really appreciate you guys and thanks for saying what's up to us when you see us out in these streets. As always, 
Now for real, for real. Sure, sure. See you guys next week. Bruh.